Is it on? Okay. Oh, wow, loud. Good afternoon, everyone. Wow, it's my joy to be at Itaewon again. I love Itaewon campus. I see a lot of new faces. How many of you are actually from GCFS? Let me see if I just show up the hands. Woo, students. Awesome. Welcome, guys. I'm really glad that you guys came out. All right. I'm just going to preach from the word. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. We're going to read them all together. Are you guys there? Yeah. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. How many of you are in this room? Rejoicing in the Lord. Like 10 of you. <laughs> Apostle Paul here, in this book especially, he's serious about rejoicing in the Lord. I mean, uh, not only here, but in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me. and It is safe for you. So he's repeating himself, telling us to rejoice in the Lord. But the context of him telling us to rejoice isn't just on our happy days, on just Sundays and weekends and Saturdays and Children's Days and National Holidays, you know. Those days are good days to rejoice on, but the context that he's telling us is actually not really good circumstances. So he's not just saying, yeah, joyful days, it's your birthday, it's your weekend, you know. It's not just talking about that. He's talking about choosing to rejoice in the Lord when it seems unreasonable to do so. So when trials come, when some serious trouble hits you, when you are really stressed or under a lot of pressure, like midterms, a lot of students, you feel me? Are you guys done? Midterms? Hey, never mind, all right. A lot of college students are going through midterms right now, so under a lot of pressure, <laughs> you guys don't care about exams. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Maybe under lots of persecutions, People just hating on you because you're a Christian, because you're a faith, or you just got confronted by your friend, or you got rebuked by your boss or your teacher, you got just disciplined by one of your teachers, Mrs. Becker, or someone, you know, Mr. Mitchell or someone, you know, or, you know, when you're like single for years and years and years, or like, I actually said it, um, when you are having your period sisters, you know. Or, I said it, or, yeah, I said it. Or, when no one seems to care about your birthday, you know, sad, right? But in those circumstances, 
Apostle Paul, even even worse situation, he's saying rejoice. Apostle Paul, I believe that he has full right to say this because he's gone through so much. He has gone through so much suffering for Jesus Christ. And he's saying in those circumstances, when it seems unreasonable to rejoice in the Lord, you rejoice. You choose to do so. It's kind of funny that I'm preaching from this passage right now because last um, week was really tough for me. I was, um, you know, many of you are coming to the retreat, right? So when we talk about retreat, everyone gets excited. Whoa, retreat's only five days, you know, away. And I'm the one person that's like, oh, it's five days away. Because <laughs> there's a lot to be, uh, you know, taken care of. There's a lot to prepare. And uh, as a coordinator, retreat coordinator, I'm like, oh, yeah, but yeah, like, you know, it's so funny. I was going through a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. There's this to be done, that to be done. And I was like ugh, giving people some attitude in the office, you know. I got a ton of work to do, you know, to take care of the lunch order. You know, I was giving some attitude to people. And then the, you know, the least thing, the last thing that you want to hear in that situation when you are feeling really bad is rejoice, you know. If Pastor Marcus or someone comes up to me and says, Man, I want to rejoice, and I'll be like, shut up. <laughs> Talk to me later. Like, I don't want to hear that right now. You know, that's our natural response, you know. Even though Bible clearly tells us to rejoice in the situations when it's not reasonable, you know. All right, we're going to move on. Verse 4, it says, after he tells us to rejoice, it says this, let your, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It's a mysterious sentence right here, right? Let me break it down for you. It means that by you rejoicing, let everyone around you know that the reasonable response to life, even in times of trial, is to rejoice in him. He's just saying that you, by rejoicing, you are telling the world that it's, res- it's reasonable response to life, even in the times of trouble. And why? He provides a reason as well. Why? It's all, just simply because the Lord is at hand. NIV it says, because he is near. It's reasonable to rejoice because simply because he's near. He's at hand. You know, Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's near. When you are going through stuff, he's fully engaged in what you're going through. He's not just saying, oh, you're going through that, too bad for you. He's fully, fully engaged in your emotions. In every trouble that you go through, he is fully, fully engaged. He's with you. The Lord is at hand. He's with you. He's your helper. He's your support. He's your solution. You know, he is everything. Just because of that, you can rejoice. It is reasonable for you to rejoice in him. Verse 6, he goes on to say this. It's interesting. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Everyone say anything. Anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything. That just means everything. Don't be anxious in any circumstances, right? And it's just, in itself, it's like so shocking. Don't be anxious about anything. You really mean anything? (laughs) You know? I have a lot of reasons to be grumbling right now. I have a lot of reasons to be complaining right now. But you really seriously mean that. Don't be anxious about anything. Maybe, Apostle Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. Maybe you don't know my situation. But he's saying that he's saying this anxiety isn't a reasonable response to the Lord at all. 
in any given circumstances. It is unreasonable for the people of God to be anxious in any circumstances. Why? Just because he is at hand. He is close to you. Just because he's near you. So many times we give him that unreasonable response. Oh, so judging now, you know? You know what that means? Like, oh, so annoyed. So irked by that coworker, that classmate. Oh, man, I can't handle it anymore. Like, you feel like you have all the, all the reasons to be, like, anxious or be, you know, be all mean. But you really, it's really not reasonable for you to feel that way. You know, according to him, anxiety is not a reasonable response to life in any circumstances. It's so challenging. Mm. Am I the only person challenged by this? Mm. I know it's not true. Brothers and sisters, he is near. So rejoice. He is near. You rejoice. Verse 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace in Hebrew, it actually is shalom. Everyone says shalom. shalom. Mm-hmm. You've heard that a lot in church, right? It's just simply it is translated into peace, but then when Jewish people, when the Israelites, when they used it, it actually means all is well. It's not just talking about not much going on. You know, when we think about peace, like we imagine like lake with like uh, little ducklings, you know, <laughs> little breeze, you know. Oh, peace, like cream pasture. Not much is going on, that kind of peace. But that's what we imagine. But like peace in its deeper meaning, it means that all is well. Your body, your soul, your spirit, everything around you is well. That's what it actually means. You think they will greet each other, shalom, shalom, you know? But they did that even when immense persecution hit them. When they were losing their brothers and sisters and their children left and right, when people will come and burn their houses, they will look at each other, they will, they will say, shalom, all is well. All is well. You guys know the hymn, um, I only know it in Korean, but it is well with my soul. You know, you guys know that hymn? I mean, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. Um, that song was actually the hymn was actually written after that person, the composer, lost his wife and two children because of shipwreck. Pastor J.M. preached about shipwreck, right? After losing dear children and one and only wife, entire family, his response was, "Shalom, all is well. All is well in my body, in my soul." In my spirit, all is well. It's mind-boggling, right? But it's the perfect response. It's the reasonable response to him. He chose to write or pray the song to him. You know, he chose to lift him up, you know? It's very, very challenging concept, even to me. But like when we, okay, let's, why don't we just turn to each other? You guys are becoming really serious. So tell each other, shalom. Let's greet like at least three people with the shalom. All is well. Shalom. <laughs> shalom, everyone. All is well. Shalom. <laughs> but you know, when we talk about all these 
people going through some difficult, difficult stuff. You know, when we talk about these Christians under persecution, you know, I mean, we, we tend to think, man, were they in denial? Are they crazy? You know, like, they're saying all is well. No, not, all is not well, you know? If you just look at it from the natural perspective, it's not going well at all. You just lost your children. What are you talking about? You're crazy? Have you gone, like, insane? You know, that's what we, how we view it from a natural perspective. But then, you know, if you look at it from a supernatural perspective, all is truly well in the spirit. Guys, I'm not here to promote, if you believe in Jesus, all is going to be okay. Everything's going to be fantastic. You will never face trial. Your life is going to be lovely and, you know, like, it's all good. I'm not promoting that. I do not find that actually true in my life. If you look at Paul's, Paul's life, it's not true. He went through some suffering just because he was a believer. Just because he was a follower, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. So, like, for me to say, if you follow Jesus Christ, everything's going to be well, uh-uh. That's, I don't think that's true at all. But am I, what am I saying then? You know, what all these people, like, greeting each other with shalom, what are they actually saying? I do believe that peace is manifestation of God's supernatural power. I really want us to get this concept. It's not just, oh, peaceful picture, green pasture, and, you know, stream of water. That's not, we really got to understand that it's a manifestation of supernatural power that God has for his people. I mean, it's manifestation of his kingdom. Let me share a little bit about my life, okay? I mean, I grew up as a non-Christian, so when I was 19, I came to church for the first time. So I have no religious background or any kind. So when I was growing up, I went through some severe, like, pretty bad school bullying uh, at my middle school. And uh, it was all girls middle school in Busan. So Busan is really gangster, right? So a lot of um, my girls would just come and bully me, hit me, you know, take my money, all kinds of stuff that you saw in Korean dramas. I went through that for about a year, right? And because I was so depressed and I was so scared and I was going through so much, like so much that I couldn't handle it. So my goal and my purpose of my life literally became to live a life of peace. That's all I wanted. And with one word, happiness, I guess. If you ask a lot of your children at your hagwon or school, many of them will actually tell you, I just want to live in peace. They don't really have dreams. They just want to, they just might just say, I just want to live happy without having to worry about tomorrow, without having to worry about going to five different hagwons tomorrow, you know, without having to worry about pleasing my parents, you know, like just, just want to live in peace, you know. When they feel like they can't live that kind of life, what do they choose? They choose suicide. They choose to leave their families, you know? That's really sad, but it's reality. I Mine was, if you look through my journal from like middle school, it says over and over again, I just want to live in peace. Just want to have a life of peace. I don't want to worry about tomorrow, you know, having to face all those bullies again, you know? That was just my one and only goal. But what's interesting was, I move on to high school, right? And then all these torture and bullying coming from my 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 friends actually ended because I moved to like a school that was really far away, like an hour away. And um, so I didn't have to deal with it anymore. But then my anxiety, did it stop? No, it didn't. I constantly was anxious. 
I was constantly worried about things, like littlest things in my life, it would constantly bother me. And I remember me just being, I'm not like a melancholic person either, but then I was just so depressed and I would always be caught up in my worries and anxiety. Just couldn't snap out of it. I'm here to tell you guys that it's peace of God is supernatural. It's not just, oh, you, you have peace when there's nothing terrible going on. No, so many people go through depression. So many people, they hunger for peace when actually in their life, things are pretty going okay. You know anyone like that? Like things are just normal and okay, but it's in there deep down, like they're so anxious. You know, there's like no one coming after you to kill you, but they're just so anxious about life, you know. Their future plans and their marriages, all these things, they just constantly just cannot stop worrying about those things. It is manifestation. The peace of God is manifestation of his kingdom. And we got to tap into that. I mean, it really doesn't make sense in the natural Can I just tell you that? It really doesn't. All is well, but all is not well. Not always true, right? But if you look at it from a supernatural perspective, it is really all is well with you. So this is a reasonable response. You know, in the natural, things are falling apart. But I tap into, I choose to tap into the supernatural power of the peace, shalom that I have. And God says all is well, that I do agree with that word, all is well. And I do claim that I possess that word, and therefore I rejoice. That's the thrust of the thinking that Paul is going through right now. I want to talk about guarding heart and mind a little bit. Man, I earlier preached at Hillside, and man, they loved it. Let me see if Itaewon really feels it, all right? (laughs) When I hear the phrase, guard your heart, what comes to my mind first is relationships. Do you guys agree? Especially in church. Guard your heart. It's about a boy or a girl that you like. Guard your heart, sister. You know, if, if you're in small group ministry, you tell your small group leader about, oh, I actually have some interest in this brother. Oh, he's a newcomer, blah, blah, blah. She will tell you, God's your heart, sister. <laughs> All right, God's your heart, girl. You're, that's the first thing that you're going to hear, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, what does that mean? Guarding your heart. What do you think that means? Does that mean you need to be awkward around the brother? Stop talking to the brother? What does that mean? You know, be, be all like awkward and strange and stop talking to him? I don't think so, right? Guarding your heart. I mean, New Philly really is a house full of like single people, right? New Philly is like severely single. I'm serious. <laughs> like 90% of you sitting here, you guys are all severely single. <laughs> but like... Thank God that 2011, we had a bunch of weddings. We had like six, right? So a bunch of weddings. We now have, you know, some married couples here and there, and then some are getting married soon. But man, New Philly is just full of single people. And like, we get all excited about relationships and marriages. We talk about it a lot. So why not talking from the pulpit, you know? So I chose this topic, right? And then, you know, like... We're a really young church. I'm 25, and I think I'm like the average age. 25, 26 is like the average um, of like New Philly age. Like, what, what is it? Like, the, the demographic. 
right? Yeah, infinite demographic, right? <laughs> so I'm like in the middle of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's a difficult word, right? <laughs> All right. So for us to like talk about guarding our hearts and things like that, I just want to address that, right? The reason why we say guard your heart so much is number one, it's because it's very important. Mm-hmm, deep, right? It's so important. Can I tell you that your heart is so precious? That you're not meant to give it away to just anyone? You know? It, it's not like you're just giving away your heart like pizza and pieces to like different people. You know, Apostle Paul talks about having undivided heart as a single person. So I'm sorry if you're married here, but just engage with me, okay? So it talks about, he talks about how as a single people, we have to have undivided heart to the Lord, devoted, right? Because after you get married, it's like, does that mean it gets divided? I don't know. I'm not married, so I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, it sounds like it, right? So enjoy every single day of your singlehood and be devoted to him and give him your undivided attention and heart, right? But then like, if you look at people, even Christians, they're like giving away their hearts, like, it's like broken into like five different pieces. Like one is for Jesus. Other four are for potential brothers at our church. <laughs> Brian has 10% of it. <laughs> Michael Edens have 2% of it. You know, whoever ends up liking you back will be the one. You know, is that, you know, how you're thinking? But surprisingly, so many people think that way at the back of their minds. Their hearts are already like divided into so many different pieces. I'm not just talking about like men and women relationship-wise, like shopaholics, shopping is like occupying half of your heart, you know? All you can think about is like that cute dress that you saw at Jara, right? Oh, I keep seeing the vision of the dress. <laughs> you know, some people go through serious stuff like that. And like some people, it's like Money, it could be so many different things, but undivided heart, it's important. You are not to give away your heart like that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, guard your heart. Second reason why I think we say that so many times is because it's really difficult. It's hard. So you just got to keep hearing it, right? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've had multiple crushes at our church. Not going to lie. <laughs> I have a history of, uh, oh, am I being too real right now? <laughs> You know, I've gone through, gone through some dramas, you know. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Our church is not like a perfect church, you know. And every ministry you go, every community that you go to, you're going to see some drama because of all these relationships and crushes whatnot, you know. So I'm just saying, I'm one of you. I could totally speak to you right now, you know. You could engage with me, right? I mean, people think like, oh, mature people, do they go through crushes too? I mean, mature people, it doesn't mean that they don't fall in love. You know, it just means that they know how to deal with it in a mature way. You know, it just means that they know how to guard their heart and in the hearts of people around you. You know, that's just all that it means. You know, in the right timing, with the right steps, you know, with the right covering, that's, I think, what it means. So, yeah, let me drive it home. Liking someone in a romantic way. <laughs> it's so funny. Why am I lecturing you guys on this that I don't really know about? But it's spirit of God. Okay, wisdom doesn't come from experience alone, all right? So I could, I could teach you guys. It's, yeah, liking someone in a romantic way could bring a lot of anxiety. You guys agree with that? Yeah, high school students nodding. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could bring a lot of tension in your life, too. It could bring a lot of infatuation, reading into everything. You know, oh, I'm one of the 30 guests that he invited to his birthday party. You know, he must like me, all that. Soulish dreams. I kid you not. A lot of, a lot of times, 
like brothers and sisters. Brothers don't come to me. Sisters come to me. But sisters come to me and tell me, oh, I had this dream where I was wearing a white dress. And then a car came. And the door opened. And then it was... It was, um, it was Brian. <laughs> Does that mean that I'm going to end up marrying him? You know, things like that. You, know? you think people don't do that? And all kinds of daydreaming and soulless dreams and so much room for jealousy. You know, like, liking the same person, the tension. It just could be a source of a lot of anxiety. Man, it could be very tiring. But I'm here to tell you that things don't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. When you learn to let shalom guard your hearts and minds, you don't have to go through all this. Let me get some amen on that. Yeah. You guys, you know, coughing is a sign of your lungs getting getting attacked and getting unhealthy, right? It's a sign that um, your lungs are not in shalom. Does that make sense? Not everything is well with your lungs. That's why you start coughing, right? Right? Anxiety is similar. It's just, it's a simple sign and symptom that in your mind and your heart, not everything is going well. That's why you're producing anxiety. It's just coming out. Like you can't stop coughing. You can't stop thinking about all these things. You know, your mind and your heart is just being occupied by all these things that are not meant to be there, right? So, it's a sign that you are not letting shalom of God guard your heart and mind in that area. You know, you feel anxiety because you are allowing that battle to take place in your heart, skipping over the guard named shalom. You know, the truth that all is actually well in Jesus Christ. You are letting those thoughts and certain emotions just skip that over. And you just let them in and have like battle in your heart and your mind. You're constantly occupied by them, you know. We need the shalom to be a strong guard in our hearts and in our minds. In a nutshell, you feel anxious because you feel like everything's not well. That's it. You feel like, oh, not everything's well. That's why you're constantly entertaining those thoughts and emotions, right? But we got to allow the shalom of God be the strongest guard. At the door of your heart, at the door of your mind, be the guard, in every area, not only the relationships and marriages, but in every area, area of your life. You've got to really accept the fact that, man, he's my prince of peace. All is well. You know, in him I am safe. I am secure. My world is not falling apart. All right? You've got to really let the truth be the truth. You've got to allow that to be the truth, you know? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, all is well with this motion. All is well. I really like it. All is well. (laughs) All is well. Come on. And then verse 8, it moves on to, you know, Apostle Paul tells us, think about all these things, whatever is true, honorable, just, and pure, lovely, commendable, and excellent, and anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. You know, if you go to one of your friends and tell that person about all your problems and everything that's going through your mind, you know, if you, when you do that, they will just say, you know, stop thinking about it. Just snap out of it. Just forget about it. But that's not, that's not really helpful. <laughs> you know, it's a train of thoughts just constantly going on. The, way, the reason why you go to someone and just ask for advice is you just can't 
snap out of it, you know. But like, just forget about it. Just try harder. You know, just suppress it. Just, you know, it's not going to help you. The Bible actually tells us to think about things of God. Think about things that come from God, you know. It's not just empty your minds. That's like super like, what is it like? Uh, like a new age, you know, or empty your minds, you know. That's not true. The Bible tells us to think about these good things. Think about these things that I'm giving you, these beautiful things, you know. So just empty your mind. That's not a good advice, all right. Don't do that. Then other people will, you know, other things will enter into your mind, you know. So he's giving us some practical guidance here, you know. And um, you're trying to ignore and forget about it. It's not going to help. But when you replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God, thoughts coming from God, when you occupy your mind and your heart with things of God, that's going to make the difference. You know, people say, what you behold, you become. You know, little children, they behold God. I mean, they behold the, the father, right? A mother, and they become like them. It's natural thing, right? You become what you behold, truly. When you behold the presence of God, I mean, you become, you become like him. You know, that's why it's so good to be in the presence of God. Without even knowing, without getting 10 sessions of counseling, you're becoming, getting transformed into the image of him. You know, you become what you behold. It's so true that we have to occupy our mind and our hearts with the things of God that are listed in this verse. But it's a matter of choice, guys. You need to choose to do so. You know, he's encouraging and challenging us to do so here. And I'm here to just preach that right to you. It's your choice. You could easily just entertain your thoughts and dwell on it and actually enjoy it. You know, a lot of men in Korea, they struggle with lust problem. And I heard that Korea is the one country, number one country that spends most, like the most money. It's like, ridiculous, like 10 times more than Americans. Like they spend money on pornography and then like stuff like that, right? And, you know, if you just try to just, okay, I'm, today I'm just going to delete every memory. I'm just going to stop thinking about it. And I'm just going to empty my mind. You think that's going to work? And so it's not going to work. That's why Koreans are constantly spending all their money into this pornography industry, right? And uh, w- the way we have to disciple them is you've got to fill your mind with things of God. You know, what's God's plan for your life? What is God doing in your life? What does the scripture say, you know? What's, you know, God is doing so much and keep thinking about those things. And that's what's going to really set you free. You've got to replace those lies with truth. That's what's going to set you free, you know? Ooh, this is interesting. I talked about it at Hillside too. But, um, you know, even non-Christians, even like people in the world, they have their own solution of getting out of those negative thoughts, you know? They want to be positive. They want to be happy. So they do their own practices, like little chants. You know, I don't know what Americans or Canadians or other people do in the world. But in Korea, it's like when, when those, um, like, lustful thinking, whenever, like, men try to, like, fight those thoughts, you know what they do? They, they sing national anthem. Like, you know that, you know, the Korean national anthem. Like, you see that in the movies. So just, just get that, get an idea, you know. We try to, like, distract themselves, you know, from, like, all those thoughts and whatever, you know, they start singing national anthem or like think about what rainbows, like cute puppies. I don't know what they do, but like even the world has like trying to replace with other things, trying to distract 
you know, yourself with other things. But there's no substance to it, you know. Thinking about rainbow, what does that do to you? There's no truth in it, right? I national anthem. It's just anthem, right? But what we have, all these things listed here, it has substance into it. You know, it's not just empty thing. It's not just distraction that you're trying to bring upon yourself. It is the truth that's going to set you free, right? So just don't think about it as like, oh, trying to replace and trying to distract myself. No, it's a completely different paradigm. It is the truth that's deep inside of those things that's going to replace your mind and your heart. Mm. Man, bring the reality of shalom into your life. It is real. It's supernatural. Okay? I'm here to tell you guys, I didn't have access to that when I didn't know Jesus Christ. I had no access to that. That's why I lived such, just my, my teenage years were such torture. You know, I just wanted peace, you know, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. You know, my friends, I mean, my academics, entering into a good college, it didn't solve everything. That's what I thought it will, that will help. Man, just, yeah, after this year, like last year in high school, okay, I'm going to study hard. I'm just going to press through and once i enter a good college that i wanted to go to everything's gonna be fine i'm gonna find that peace there no didn't happen and i went to the school that i wanted to but it didn't happen i didn't find it there right but you have everyone in this room you have access to the supernatural peace of god only if you claim that and possess that and speak over yourself over yourself all is well all is well mm-hmm so let the reality of shalom be in your life. Who's the program director? Is that you? Okay. <laughs> I actually want to spend some time praying for you guys. And I could sense that in this room. Yeah. Can I have someone on the guitar or like a keyboard? Yeah. Let's have some prayer time. We're at church, so yeah, let's pray. But uh, I want to invite all the altar ministers, like leaders of uh, Itaewon campus. Uh, these are the leaders that are chosen to just pray for you and minister to you. So just feel free to come out and receive prayer. We're here to bless you guys. Man, I feel like in this room, a lot of people are struggling with anxiety. Like constant anxiety about your future, about your future relationships, your finances. And God doesn't want that in your life. And I feel like he just wants you to be free from all the anxiety. It's unreasonable for you, for a victorious one, victorious one in Christ to feel that way. It is unreasonable for you to respond to life constantly in anxiety and worries. And I just feel like God wants to set you free today. And he wants to just declare that peace over you. All is well in your life, my son. All is well in you. My daughter, everything's going to be okay. My shalom is with you. I am with you. So if I could have just everyone close your eyes and just meditate on this. And just take this time to just really let God's peace surpass your understanding. I think that's really a key verse.